Hello and welcome to another episode of A Need to Read. Thank you so much for listening today. This book that I'm going to be talking about today, Letters from a Stoic by Seneca. I'm very quick to say that things have changed my life and that books have changed my life. And this one I think I'll be returning to time and time again. And it has completely reignited my love for philosophy. And it's actually the first original philosophical text that I've read cover to cover. So... I'll be doing a lot more of that. This year I'm aiming to do one philosophical book each month, so you'll get a review of each one. And there is a chance that I'm going to be starting a book club that is solely centred around philosophy. I think I might have a couple of book clubs that I do with different genres, um, but if you want more information on that, I will be sending that out to my email list first. Um, and I don't know how many people I'll be letting into it. I want it to be a thing where we have conversations and where we connect with each other, um, which, look, that's... That's unlike me to want to be connecting with people, but I've been talking to a lot of strangers since I've been away and it makes me feel energised. So maybe I'm not as introverted as I think anymore. So stick with it. There's going to be an email list on the description of this episode. Please sign up to it. I send a couple of emails each week and you know what? I'm not a bad writer. So some of them are quite entertaining to read. Before we get into this podcast episode, though, of course, it is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you're thinking about therapy or you're not thinking about therapy, and now you are that I've said it, head to betterhelp.com forward slash a need to read. You would get 10% off your first month. You'll be in touch with a therapist within 48 hours of completing your questionnaire. Therapy is one of those things that's had a profound impact on my life, and it's something I'll probably return to time and time again throughout my life, because let's face it, there are no guarantees in life, and you never know when things are going to come up. If things are hard for you emotionally, there is absolutely no shame in going and speaking to a professional to get a little bit more clarity on your thoughts. So once again, that is betterhelp.com forward slash a need to read, and that is 10% off your first month. This podcast is also sponsored by Headspace. Headspace is my go-to meditation app. I've been using it for the last 640 days in a row, and I only know that I haven't been counting. There is a streaks uh, part on the app. People are skeptical of meditation. People think it's a bit too woo-woo. People think it may be a little bit too spiritual for them, or they find it too hard. Headspace makes it simple. The courses that I did when I first started meditation, the happiness course, the anxiety course, the focus course, really helped me get to grips with what it's like and what it means to sit down in the morning and give yourself some space. A little daily dose of mindfulness will have profound benefits. And Headspace is one of the most science-backed apps that are out there. Just two weeks can reduce your stress by 14% according to some studies that they've done. Now, they also have SOS meditations on there as well. If you need something in the middle of the day, if you're at work and everything seems to be crushing down on you and you just need two or three minutes to breathe, center yourself and get into your body and into the present moment, Headspace is brilliant for that. I am going to continue to use it for a very, very long time and I'm going to keep that streak going and I'm super passionate about getting people into meditation. So if you need to find some Headspace at headspace.com forward slash need to read you're going to get one month free of their entire meditation library so any of those courses happiness anxiety you can do those courses over that month none of them last longer than a month and i promise you you'll feel the benefits that is the best headspace offer available at the moment that is headspace.com slash need to read headspace.com slash need to read right Let's get into the book then, shall we? So Letters from a Stoic by Seneca. You will have probably heard of Seneca. Any time that I've spoken about Ryan Holiday or I've spoken about Stoicism, I will have spoken about Seneca in the past. And there's a good reason for that. 
he's a pretty wise guy. He's a very wise man. And the book was written almost 2,000 years ago. It's a compilation of the letters that he sent to his friend in the later part of his life. And the later part of his life was plagued by illness and ill health and exile and political danger. And the political danger heightened at the point of his death when he died by suicide. Nero, who was a psychopathic young emperor who was in his teens, um, killed his mum, killed his brother. So, I mean, you can kind of tell what kind of person he was. But if you need me to sum it up for you, I would say that he was quite the piece of shit. Quite the piece of work, old Nero. Um, in the end of Seneca's life, Nero had ordered him to commit suicide so that's what he did and it wasn't it wasn't a smooth operation he first poisoned himself no first slit his wrists but i mean he was old couldn't really get much blood out um i'm sure maybe that hydration wasn't a key thing back then and uh i don't know if you know anything about when you bleed when you're hydrated i had to do a blood test the other day um and i wasn't hydrated enough and took ages to get the blood out of my finger um so maybe maybe that had something to do with it. But that's just me speculating. I don't know. I'm not a historian. I wasn't there. But he ended up having to poison himself. His wife also tried to kill herself at the same time. I think she didn't really see much point in, in living on without him. Um, but Nero being the, the legend, of course, that he was, he stopped her from killing herself because he didn't order her to. Um, because, of course, he gets to control when people go in and out of life. Um, these letters in this book contain... Wisdom on wisdom on wisdom, and maybe 5 or 10% of the book is waffle that you'd have to bear with, but the rest of the book, maybe every one or two pages, you're going to pick out a combination of 6 or 7 words or, or a paragraph or two that will just stick around. I finished reading it about a week ago now. I'm currently in Mexico, if anyone doesn't know. Um, and I thought taking a nice philosophical book will, will give me the reset that I need. Um, and also, whilst reading it, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about this later, I felt a little bit of a slap in the face. And I was like, oh, damn, I, I didn't really need to get away. It wasn't it wasn't that that I needed for the reset. Um, but it was just fucking brilliant. I've, I've really enjoyed reading it, even though it was written 2,000 years ago. And when I first started this podcast, I was like, people who read old books are fucking idiots. Um, funnily enough, the more books I've read, uh, of course, and, and you'll be noticing this as well, the more books you read, you'll slowly be like, oh, maybe, maybe I'm getting a little bit more intelligent. And, and these old books actually seem to be a little bit more appealing. Um, I've been reading other books as well um, that I'd recommend by Hermann Hesse, who's a 1920s German poet. Steppenwolf and Siddhartha um, are those which are you, you don't have to focus on them I'm just I'm just saying older books are actually pretty good so I, I take back what I said at the start um, and you may think oh my god but you've changed yeah I mean I started the podcast almost two years ago now of course things are going to change old books are apparently pretty lit so in this podcast I just want to touch on a few of the things that really stuck with me from from the book and in letter two he speaks about not reading too broad and, and not doing too much. That slapped me because obviously I, I read a lot and I read pretty broad. Um, and he says that that's, that's not the best way to do things. You don't have to take everything he says for the gospel. Other books that are written a couple thousand years ago, like the Bible, they contain dogma. But this is up for your own interpretation, right? So you should be reading books, according to Seneca, from those whose genius is unquestionable. And I think that was far easier back then. I think there were far fewer books, but that is something to that is something to remember, because there are a lot of books out there 
And of course, the point in this podcast is to try and find the good books and filter through the shit. And I look back on some of the books I've read for this podcast and and through reading more. And I think maybe my taste has matured or or developed. Um, But some of the books I've read for this podcast and reviewed and said at the time that they were good. I look back and I'm like, oh my goodness, they are not good in comparison to what I've, I've read so far. So when he talks about people whose genius is unquestionable... You've got to be thinking about like philosophers and psychologists, scientists and great writers, journalists, stuff like that, who really love to write as opposed to people who may just be, you know, famous and someone says, hey, we'll, we'll get a ghostwriter to write a book, come and do a few hours of interviews with us and, and then you can sell this book. So if, if you're looking to like really develop yourself as a person, Reading books from people who are super smart is probably going to be a good idea. Um, but the main point that I want to focus on from the f- letter two, which is actually the first letter in the book, which is, is quite weird, um, is he says that a restless mind is a sick mind. And it also comes to people who are restless in, in general life. He says people who are everywhere end up going nowhere. If like me and 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 this is where this book resonated with me is I am quite restless and, and I haven't seemed to plant my feet in the ground in somewhere that I really want to stay or I feel like at home in this book is maybe kind of reconsider of of at a point in my life that maybe going somewhere for 3 months 6 months to a year every now and then isn't isn't going to be the best method of doing things and and the best way to do it um he says you must know when enough is enough what is the proper limit that's the question that he asks and that's the question he asks you to ask yourself at what point do you have enough because we strive and we strive and we strive and a lot of that is the cause of our unhappiness or of our uh, suffering in life and that's that's in in buddhist texts is that striving and and wanting and suffering is, is is all contributing to our unhappiness if we are unhappy of course that is and look by no means reading philosophy or reading stoicism is going to make you sort of disproportionately happier than you ever have been before but what it will give you is a nice base level and should unhappiness come you're like okay i I understand this a little bit more and i can think about it a little bit more but our um our inability to know when enough is enough is is a problem and look let's face it if if you lost all your money and, and whatever your financial state is now if if you went down a few levels think about like what that would cause for you it, it would probably make you quite unhappy but epicurus who is another philosopher he's not attached to stoic philosophy and not to be confused with epictetus i wish they had more different names um he says a cheerful poverty is an honorable state and seneca read that even though he's pretty loyal to stoicism he said he was reading that as he was going behind enemy lines and another thing that I like that he said about sort of consumerism, not consumerism specifically, because maybe that wasn't such a thing back then, um, is cease to hope and you cease to fear. So live a life where you're, you're not living above your means. You're not spending loads of money to impress other people. You're not being greedy because the, the greedier you are, and I, and I think this is something I've noticed Maybe in terms of my like greed for fun and doing things and and going away, say like to to Mexico is like I I feel like I need it and when I don't have it, it's a problem. 
if I'd never sort of got into that mindset of, oh, I need to go away every three months, I need sun, I need this, I need this, then maybe I'd have been a happier person, who knows? I think if I'd read Seneca when I was at school, which hopefully people start doing at some point, I may have been a, or not a happier person, but I've had a better baseline. Another really important part from the books, and, and this kind of goes into the consumerism stuff, but more in your household, um, is that what you must understand is that a roof made of gold makes you no better of a person than a roof made of thatch. And anyone entering our homes should admire us, not our furnishings. So, not that you should live as, as if you are in poverty, not that you should live a life completely below your means, like sell your lovely house and all of that, it's just focus more on being a good person. Don't make that the most interesting thing about you. Don't make your house, your possessions, or anything that you can own that is outside of yourself the most interesting thing about you. Which is something I'm definitely going to be taking on board. Because when I moved into my flat in London, I was very keen on like turning it into a lovely place. And I bought so many useless pieces of shit for my office that I thought would would make me happy and and it's great to have like a nice looking office but honestly other people enjoy it far more than I do so I I know that for the future and and having read Seneca now I think my consumerism is going to be right on the way down and and that goes for anything um, that I do my diet has cleaned up quite considerably since reading Seneca I haven't eaten chocolate for the last like 10 days and that oh my goodness that is a record because your boy loves Maltesers and I honestly reckon I have about 150 bags of Maltesers every year, which is quite a lot. And I dread to think what <laughs> what that's done to my insides or, or my long-term life prospects. But what can I do about it now, apart from changing my behavior going forward? Um, this isn't to say, like, cut out everything. Like, still treat yourself every now and then. Um, but if you're anything like me and you treat yourself every now and then, but every now and then happens to be every day, maybe it's time not to treat yourself so much because I think it will make you happier in the long run now on the subject of happiness he talks about unhappiness as well and a super powerful quote from the book is unhappiness is never confined to the present it's our thoughts about the past and it's our sort of fears and worries about the future that really makes us unhappy I can think of no time that I've been unhappy in the present moment with what's going on it's always whatever the knock-on effects of those things or let's say someone says oh my god one of your friends has died or or a family member has died at that very moment it's quite an extreme unhappiness and an extreme grief but it's not confined to the present it's not confined to that very moment just then it's your fears of the future without that person it's it's the worries about what what you're going to do without them or or your regrets of things that you didn't say to them whilst they're alive in the past it's not that exact moment and of course that is really really hard to get in your head and i'm going to have to consistently remind myself of this but it is so true this present moment thing this the reason why i meditate and the reason why i I love to read is because it just pulls you into the present moment and really the exact moment right now you're listening to this like it's if you're unhappy if, if you're anxious or if you're worried about something it's not because of what's happening right now, most likely. It's because of your fears for the future. It's your, your fears that maybe whatever situation you're in now is going to continue. 
and it's going to be around for months or, or, or years it's not the present moment and I know I've just kicked the arse out of that quote but it's it's quite an important one another one that he says and, and <laughs> look I know people kick the arse out of this of nothing is either good or bad but thinking makes it so which is is a Shakespeare quote and you know people often refer to stoicism as like it's not what happens to you it's it's your thoughts about the thing and that is really really hard to take on board when something has happened to you and it's really really bad um, but it's, it's good to have there as something you know so that maybe you sit and you wallow for 24 hours or a week and then you remind yourself oh my god yeah this is it's the way that I'm thinking about this um that's that's making me unhappy but Seneca says a man is as unhappy as he has convinced himself he is and that is a whole mindset thing and look I don't necessarily know how much I buy into this I know when I'm feeling good I buy into that like I, I think it's very true and I'm, I'm happy to tell anyone that but if I'm sad you, know, you try and say hey yeah you've just convinced yourself you're sad I'm like fuck off mate it's um it's difficult I think it's true what he says, but it's very, very difficult, and it takes a lot of practice to get that into uh, into our heads. He references wild animals, and, and you think about wild animals, how, let's say you're a gazelle, and you're being chased by a lion, and, and you get away. After that, you just don't worry. I'm sure, I mean, no one's in the head of a gazelle, but these wild animals, they run away, they get safe, and they stop, and then they just get on with their lives. Whereas us, if something dramatic happens, we'll run away from it, we'll get away from it, and we'll stop, and we will think about that thing for fucking ages, and some people will let that define them going forward, and some people will be able to move on. But not many of us act like wild animals, where we get away from the thing that was worrying us, or the thing that has hurt us, and we just stop thinking about it altogether, and then we just get on with our lives, and... I mean, patiently wait, I guess, for the next moment that comes up like that. There's another part of this book that slapped me pretty hard. And I'm away at the moment. This is the part that I'm going to talk about that slapped me because I'm away. And you may have heard the quote before of, of people saying, wherever you, are, wherever you go, there you are. Because we cannot escape ourselves. I've come away, honestly, because I think at the back end of last year, I just wasn't very happy. I went through a breakup, which I don't really think affected me that much, apart from the fact I had perceived my life in the future to be different, and then I realised that that wasn't what I wanted. And that is kind of a harsh realisation to come to, that like I had convinced myself of something, and I was wrong. So you take an L. And... I'll also be honest here, I was smoking too much. And I was a bit blind to it. And it was in my blind spot. So coming away, honestly, was a time for me to reset and to get all of that in order. Here's the thing. You cannot escape yourself. You will never, ever be able to just to escape you never want to escape a particular area i'm sure there are lots of people who need to get out of an area there are people who live in dangerous areas there are people who cannot leave their house due to war and conflict and i'm extremely privileged that i'm not one of those people and i acknowledge that quite often um actually especially here in mexico you can't even drink tap water here fucking sucks in england we can drink tap water privilege right Socrates is quoted in the book because obviously Seneca studies Stoicism, but he says that someone complained to him that travelling has never done him any good 
And he said, what would you expect if all the way you carry yourself on the back? It's, it's just drummed in kind of repeatedly through the book that you just can't escape yourself and it is your inner world that you need to be peaceful with. And I sent an email a while ago about one of the letters uh, he was talking about working and, and working in a cafe and the sounds of the street vendors, the sounds of people having fights, sound of someone selling sausages, I think he says um, in the books. He's like, I cannot see that silence is as important to a man as people say it is for study. And by the way, when I'm saying that he's saying a man, obviously women, you're included too. People who are neither, you're, you're included too. It's just, it was written 2,000 years ago, so what do you expect? But the point to be drummed in here is that we need to take control of our inner world as much as we possibly can and make that as peaceful as we possibly can. And you do that through writing a journal, writing for clarity. You do that through meditating. You write. You do that through study. He says, of course, and, and he's very biased, and I, and I think I agree with him, it's, it's through study of philosophy and stuff like that, that you create this kind of unshakable core of who you are stuff will happen to you life happens right and and I'll speak about this in a moment and there is a lovely quote from him um, about life is no soft affair and things will get thrown at you and they will hit you the important thing is it doesn't wobble you and I mean of course it's natural to have a wobble when shit goes wrong shit is going to go wrong and you are going to wobble but knowing that it serves no purpose essentially is is quite a liberating thing and that is why it's important to do the meditating, the writing, get yourself some clarity, read philosophy and and study like that. And study is like a dirty word, right? Because we all, well, I didn't really know many people who liked studying at school. Um, and I've come to it later life. I'm like, shit, I've been wasting some time. But it's super, super important that you, you take control of your attitude. And you borrow attitudes from other people and, and you work out what your attitude is. And that's the kind of thing that makes you unshakable. And being unshakable, I'm pretty sure, is is a good idea. Now, another part of um, the book, he talks a lot about death and suicide and tragedy. And suicide is a, is a pretty touchy subject, right? And it's, it's almost made out as if it's a, a new age problem. Um... I don't know the statistics, but from what I read and what I read in books, there are a lot of people who throughout the ages have had this self-loathing undertone in their life. And Seneca, as great and as intelligent as he was, had suicidal thoughts on a regular basis because he, he was chronically ill and sometimes he he was low and, and he wanted to die. And... One of the only things that he said stopped him is that he didn't feel that his father would be able to bear the loss. And this was when he was like in his 20s. Of course, in his 60s, it was a little bit different. And I'm pretty sure when a Roman emperor says, I need you to commit suicide, it's a little bit different than when you're younger and you, you don't want to do it because of the people that you love. Um, and I know there may be a small percentage of people listening to this podcast who who have thought about it before, whether they thought about it for a second or, or whether they thought about it for a week um, one of the things that Seneca sort of draws on is that it's it's our thoughts about this that is that is is a problem because if you, if you think it's an unnatural thing and, and that that is the thing is 
people push it as if it's an unnatural thing. So if you have those thoughts, you feel so bad about yourself. And there's a C.S. Lewis quote that's like, the worst part of misery is misery's shadow. So if you're at a low point, to the point that you're like, maybe contemplating that not being here would be better off for you, you then also get the double whammy of being fucking kicked in the stomach by the fact that you feel it's unnatural to have those thoughts. And whilst I'm not going to like glorify having those thoughts, and I've never entertained a thought for very long, I think it's very important that you should know that it's you're not a freak for having those thoughts. And there are people who are super, super intelligent throughout the ages who have had those thoughts as well. And I think it's something that I'm starting to feel a little bit more passionate about as a as I go on. Um, because I, I just dread to think how many people will have that thought and will then be super just concerned about who they are as a person and the their their worth as a person because they've had those thoughts and they think that no one else has those. But look, even Seneca wasn't immune to it. And I don't I don't want to spend too much time on, on that topic, but um it's not it's not something to be ignored, is it? People need to talk about it. It's not just a hey guys, don't fucking do it. It's like look, other people think about it as well. You're not you're not alone in this. It it's a common problem in humanity and it has been throughout hu- history. It's it's just good to know that if if you have those thoughts you you're definitely you're, you're not fucking broken you you're not alone there are there are things of course in your life and your needs that aren't being met um but it, it doesn't make you a bad person and oh my god i feel like i was going to cry then god we were close um anyway back to a bit more of a uh, <laughs> a happy subject death and tragedy but before I get to that point, let me just be very clear here. If you are one of those people and you have had thoughts about that before and you don't tell anyone, it is so fucking important that you speak to people and you are honest about how you're feeling so they know and you can get the support that you need because I don't want anyone to fucking die. Wait for life to just take you at the point that it takes you. Don't play a part in it. It will do just fine and taking you when it needs to. You don't need to uh, exert your control over that. And I'm sure people would far rather listen to you talk about it than deal with the consequences of you not talking about it so please fucking talk to someone if you feel like that okay Whew. um here's the thing about death and tragedy and things like that and one of the things he said in the book is that in peacetime war rears its head and you know when you're feeling good and when you're feeling great especially if you have a propensity to have sort of mental illness or or where your brain just isn't giving you the right chemicals and your thoughts are taking over um when you are in a better zone you just completely forget that that is a part of your life that you've had and you're like well i guess i've I've been through that now it'll never come again and i thought that the first time i got depressed i was like well cool i've done it now i don't have to be depressed again in my life and then Next year, bang, slapped again. And then year after that, bang, slapped again by it. It's, it seems to be a constant cycle. And when things are going well, it's when you need to make sure you're still doing the things that make you feel good. And you don't get complacent. And that you don't ever think that you're immune to it. Because you're not. No one is. Shit goes wrong, right? You're, you're going to feel bad about it at some time. And tragedy, it will come around the corner. 
And maybe that's the point in philosophy and stuff like that is so that you can clarify your thinking around things that will go wrong and and when stuff goes wrong because let's face it I know I've already said it stuff will go wrong in your life you will die everyone you love will die and, and the sooner we sort of face that fact it will be very difficult to bear at the time but it's it's better to know that at some point it is coming um, he says I want to know how to lose everything and keep on spiling another part he says to lose someone you love is one of the hardest things to bear but you do not grieve that the leaves fall from the trees in autumn, but it's as guaranteed as that. I know, of course, people care a little bit more about their parents and their friends and, and the people they love than, than trees and leaves. But I think you, you, you get the point. These things are guaranteed. And of course, you're going to be fucking devastated when people you love die. But it's, a, it's about bouncing back from that grief at some point. And it's, uh, grief looks different to pretty much everyone. Um, and I'm not saying it's going to be an easy thing to deal with, but I think I think if you're uh, actually, I tell you what, if you're grieving currently, get yourself some philosophy because I think I think it will help. It will help your mind and it will help you clarify stuff. So there's your book, Letters from a Stoic. I haven't even ruined it for you. There are just a few bits that I've put out. Those things are repeated throughout the book, those lessons, and he drums it in, and I'm, I'm glad that he does. I'll be reading another book um, of Seneca's called On the Shortness of Life, so that'll be a cheerful episode. But I think everyone at some stage, and look, if you've got kids who are young, try and give them a philosophy book. They'll probably fucking hate it, but they might be able to pull the lessons from it. Or, or anyone you know who's struggling, maybe get them a, an old philosophy book. Maybe men lean towards philosophy a little bit more than women and I think that's just because in terms of role models there weren't very many women philosophers from like 2,000 years ago especially not ones that get pressed there probably were at the time um, but maybe it's been lost in translation over the years um, you know when anyone <laughs> back in like medieval times when they thought any intelligent woman was a witch but if you can see past that if you're mature enough to be like well it's it's a it's a guy and, and that's how life was back then then i think you really enjoy the book it is it is a good book i'll be reading a lot more from seneca marcus aurelius epictetus and um, i've got confucius his name's confucius he's a chinese philosopher as well i've got one of his books at home and i'll be bringing you one of these episodes once a month on a philosophy book and of course there will also be the potential philosophy book club um, that hypothetically i'll be starting soon so don't forget to sign up to emails that will be in the description of this episode i can't thank you enough for continuing to listen to this i do honestly feel like some of the episodes from the the last few months my mood has has shone through and and the other things I've doing in life has, has impacted the way that I do the podcast. So thank you very much for sticking with me. If you know any friends who have stopped listening because they think it's shit, um, hopefully it's not shit anymore and you can tell them so and, and we can get back to having some more listeners because look, things could be better. And I honestly think it's just because I haven't been putting enough effort in. So I sent an email about this the other day about my apologies for just putting tat on Instagram but I also just want to apologize for the amount of effort that I've been putting into the podcast because the fact that you guys listen to this is actually super super touching um I mean if, if you've got a podcast yourself you know it's 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 humbling to know that you have people that listen to you um and I promise you I'll be bringing you good content from now on that will be helpful hopefully um inspire you to read as well but that is it from me you're all absolute fucking legends 